Welcome to the latest episode of our Business in Focus podcast. I'm Paul Lenaduzzi, a director at PwC, and I'll be part hosting this series going forward, along with Rowena Morris, our usual host. From online shopping to online banking and health consultations, COVID-19 has fast-tracked the evolution of many existing consumer trends. And even as the lockdown has gradually lifted, it looks like many of these behaviours will be sticky for the foreseeable future. In this episode, we'll take a look at how COVID-19 has accelerated some of the trends we're already seeing in the consumer sector. We'll also explore what the future might hold, and we'll share some practical tips to help businesses respond to these trends. Today, I'm joined by Lisa Hooker and Jack Windsor. Lisa is our leader of industry for consumer markets, and Jack is a consumer market strategy partner who focuses on the retail sector. Hello, Paul. Hi, Paul. Thanks for having us today. Pleasure. So, Lisa and Jack, if you don't mind me saying, you've both worked in consumer markets for many, many years. Uh, You've no doubt witnessed many changes over that period, but some of the huge changes we've seen in consumer behaviour over the past few months must have taken even you both by surprise. Absolutely. What surprised me at first was how well consumers obeyed and adapted to the lack of access and embraced digital substitute products and nesting but also the measured way consumption is emerging. For example, as the lockdown has gradually lifted, only 7% of consumers said they would immediately go back to flying. And here in July, footfall is still 40% down. So the question is, will buying behaviors return to that scene pre-COVID? If we take fashion, Over the last three years, we've gone from buying on average 68 items a year to buying 64. Will this trend continue, whether reflecting sustainability concerns, and we've seen much cleaner air in recent months, or as we have looked into our closets during lockdown and thought about, do we need all this stuff? Is it the emergence of planned rather than impulsive purchasing? And as a retailer, how do you win those heart fought over pounds? Definitely don't need all the things in my closet, that's for sure, Lisa. Thanks, thanks for that. Jack, how about you? What surprised you about all, the way that we've all reacted to the crisis? I think simply it's the kindness of strangers, whether we're talking individuals or businesses. I think individuals really mobilize to help others at a grassroots level, collecting, delivering, and even pooling delivery slots for those less fortunate. I think businesses also quickly pivoted from helping the NHS with a mix of goods, services, and discounts, to even offering B2B food supplies direct to consumers. So it's it's not all bad. There is some positive and some good that's come out of this. That's uh, that's good to hear. Thanks, Jack. Lisa, just turning to you again, we spoke to you on the podcast back in April to discuss the initial impact of the pandemic on the retail sector. How has the situation changed since then? Well, we really were in the eye of the storm back in April. But now as we come out, we've got greater visibility on how the economy, retailer and consumer outlook might land. On the economy, our economist team is now forecasting GDP to decline this year by minus 10 on a base case to a worst case of minus 13, with consumer markets disproportionately impacted. This will be much sharper and more prolonged than the last recession much sharper because the immediate lockdown impact on the 23rd of March are more prolonged with potential economic scarring from the end of furloughing and the potential to see a rise in unemployment. 
In terms of the retail outlook, we have full year 2020 forecast for retail of minus 5% with clear polarization between food and non-food. We expect food to be up roughly 10%, but non-food down around 20%. We all saw the consumer stockpiling food for both themselves and for their pets. And we expect food to continue to be resilient. Within non-food, there is also a lot of noise around averages with some categories relatively more resilient, such as consumer electronics, which were effectively flat, benefiting from remote working, homeschooling, and in-house entertainment. And other categories relatively more affected, such as clothing down by minus 30, and color cosmetics down by over 10%, as you don't need new clothes or makeup if you are not leaving your home. And finally, on the consumer outlook, we conduct regular consumer surveys to capture the mood of the consumer as a good lead indicator in terms of spending patterns. Consumer confidence has improved over the last four months from minus 26 in March to minus 11 in June, which we believe reflects the comfort from the various government packages which have protected income and the continued optimism of the under 24s. Consumers have, however, shifted their spending priorities, focusing on well-being and nesting over other categories. Recent Barclay card data that covers over 50% of UK households show recent uptake in areas such as households, furniture, and DIY. We do think this is our best estimate, but recognize that there could be a level of volatility particularly if there's a second wave of infections or if Brexit has a harder impact than, than may, we may be forecasting at the moment. Thanks, Lisa. You touched briefly earlier on how our shopping habits have changed over the past few months. So, Jack, what's your take on how consumer behaviour is changing as a result of COVID? Well, our view is consumer behaviour during a crisis often shapes the outlook for consumer markets after a crisis. It's what we call sticky behavior. Let's compare the last recession and COVID to bring this to life. So the last recession, it was triggered by a financial crisis. So consumers adopted various coping mechanisms to manage a squeeze on income. They cut back, they chased deals, they traded down in categories, they traded out of categories. Consumers also became much more promiscuous, switching brands and switching retailers. And that's the behavior that stuck when the economy recovered. Consumers are much more comfortable now, if not proud, to shop high-low. So for example, in grocery, more than 30% switch retailers, of which 80% continue to do so. And as a comparison in clothing, about a quarter switch brands or retailers, of which 65% continue to do so. So how does COVID compare to that? Well, this time round, the crisis was triggered by a global health pandemic and associated restrictions on movement. So consumers adopted different coping mechanisms. They effectively were forced to experiment to manage their well-being and lockdown. Two big behaviors were accelerated. First, digital consumption. So consumers buying products and services that historically had low online penetration. So think grocery, household essentials, personal care, pharmacy, and even socializing. The second trend was around purposeful brands, with consumers preferring brands that have actively given back, 
however you want to define that, to their staff, customers, or wider community. And when we do our surveys, as Lisa alluded to, consumers are telling us that both these behaviors are likely to be sticky. So for example, about 20% of consumers started live streaming fitness classes and purchasing beauty and personal care for the first time, of which more than 40% will continue to do so. And at slightly lower rates, as another example, 10% of consumers bought more ethical brands, of which more than half will continue to do so. Thanks, Jax. So, so Lisa, how can businesses capitalize on these accelerating consumer trends? Businesses should be innovating their customer proposition and operating model that meets these emerging consumer needs and preferences. When we look back, we'll see that successful companies took this time to reinvent their organization. And for me, there are two exam questions. How can we innovate our digital proposition, whether integrating new digital solutions and or creating new standalone digital models? Continued remote working, phased opening and restricted site capacity will continue to reinforce demand for digital solutions across the end-to-end -end shopping journey. Digital solutions can enhance that journey from inspiring research, such as online personal shoppers and virtual showrooms, in-store services that provide added value without compromising safety, such as apps with real-time traffic, bookable fitness rooms, digital displays. Logistics and return solutions that span multiple channels, such as contactless payments, offline to online and online to offline order and deliveries, and consumer engagement, including chatbots and mobile loyalty programs. And the second question, how can we embed a stronger purpose in our organization as a source of differentiation for customers and employees alike? A strong purpose when executed well has proven to drive customer lifetime value as measured by affinity, loyalty, and advocacy. This requires some conditions for success. Define a credible purpose that fits with the brand and resonates with stakeholders. Use purpose to help drive decisions and actions. Measure and communicate purpose to reinforce the right behavior. The crisis has demonstrated the value of communication, but be authentic and communicate where your customers are today and not where they were yesterday. Also, in parallel, there are innovations that address both trends, such as standalone digital models that reinforce access versus ownership. As an example, we have resale and we have rental. Mm. Thanks, Lisa. I guess as I reflect and listen to that, that those exam questions and those activities, for me, sound quite strategic in outlook. I'm just curious, Jack, how you feel that businesses can navigate the potential tension between driving the innovation agenda and yet trading through what are clearly very challenging trading conditions. Paul, you're, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, many retailers are in survival mode right now, but in the same spirit as what Lisa said, we'll also see that successful companies took this time to embed resilience, to respond better to the next crisis, be it a global health pandemic or a supply shock. 
So I think there are three additional exam questions for businesses. So first is, how can you diversify the business to reduce exposure? So for example, some consumer brands have selectively broadened their customer base, their range, their routes to market. Others right. are now much more open to third-party marketplaces solutions rather than relying on their own channels. A second question is, how can you build more flexibility in your business model? So for example, some retailers are better balancing the cost, speed, and security equation for supply chain rather than focusing on the lowest cost solution alone. And finally, the third question, how can you right-size your business? We like the concept of taking out bad costs to fund good costs. I think retailers have initially tried to improve their liquidity position by focusing on headcount and store estate. I think true right-sizing requires taking out bad costs that don't add to your proposition or differentiate your business model and reallocating that to fund investment. Mm, really interesting. Uh, thanks, Jack. Um, uh, we could go on, I'm sure. Um, this is an area that I'm, I'm very interested in, as I'm sure you are and our listeners are as well. But uh, we're coming to the end of our time on this particular podcast. Can I ask each of you, based on what we've just discussed, just to leave us with one of your reflections to close on? And I'll come to you first, Jack. I think it's a simple message, actually. I think businesses need to innovate, stay in the game. In an effectively flat economic market, the only way to grow is to take share. So you need to be really clear about who you take share from and how. I think I'll add to that, that it does come back to your shopper. And this means all businesses need to be more customer centric, which in practice means a single view of the customer, a single voice of the customer, which captures multiple insights and a single customer experience across multiple channels. Do use the rich data you have. Fantastic. Thank you, both Lisa and Jack. That, that was brilliant. And uh, we, I really appreciate you sharing your insights with us today. And of course, thank you to everyone out there who's listened to this podcast as well. It's worth noting that further insight on this topic can be found in our Where Next report series on our website, www.strategyand.pwc.com, where you can see an expansion of some of the themes and some of the issues that we've covered on consumer markets and also take a wider industry by industry look at where we are today, what we're learning and how to respond to the new challenges and opportunities presented by the COVID pandemic. That's all for now on this podcast, however. Thank you to everyone who's listened. Thank you again to Jack and to Lisa, and I'll speak to you all next time. Mm -hmm.